Born in New Zealand in 1913, Wilfred David Borry was at the vanguard of population studies in the 1950s. At a time when Australia's post-war migration was booming, it made sense for the nation to be studying demography. In 1952, four years after Borry joined the Australian National University's demography group, it was formally designated as a department. This made it the first demography department in the world. Five years later, Borry was promoted to chair. That made him the world's first professor of demography. Borry was prodigious, authoring or co-authoring 15 books and 153 articles or reports. When I joined the Research School of Social Sciences in 2004, a quarter century after Borry's retirement, his spirit remained strong in the demography department. Demographers held regular seminars in the Borry Seminar Room, a location guaranteed to produce spirited, spirited engagement from the attendees. Due to the uniquely complicated layout of the Coombs building, it was essentially <laughs> off-limits to outsiders. When occasionally a non-Coombs dweller stumbled into a seminar, they invariably bore the expression of someone who's just found them their way through an especially complicated hedge maze. <laughs> and I learned a great deal from demography colleagues in the Research School of Social Sciences, including doyens of the discipline, Peter MacDonald, Anne Evans, Terry Hull and Edith Gray. It's been said that demography tells the story of our lives, and the last few years have been quite a story. Today I'll analyse COVID mortality, and in particular, how the health burden of the pandemic has fallen hardest on the most disadvantaged people in the Australian community. It's possible to undertake this analysis only because of new data collection efforts and fresh research that's been built off these data. More timely numbers in recent years have helped Australians to see what's happened during the pandemic. This in turn has allowed policymakers to respond in an informed way, faster than ever before. The agility of the Australian Bureau of Statistics has greatly aided this effort. Provisional mortality statistics were first released on the 24th of June 2020 to account for the first three months of the pandemic and continued to be produced each month thereafter as a way of tracking mortality through the COVID pandemic. Specifically, the report aimed to identify deaths due to both COVID and non-COVID causes, recognising that the disruption of the pandemic could potentially impact mortality in unexpected ways. Legislation in Australia mandates a death can only be registered after a burial or cremation has occurred. Hence, there can be a delay to the ABS receiving death registrations. To minimise those delays, the ABS's preliminary mortality reports initially produced reports based on doctor-certified deaths only, which are finalised more quickly than coroner-certified deaths. The benefit of producing information on doctor-certified deaths was that detailed cause-of-death information for a range of causes could be produced. Cause-of-death information can indicate if non-direct effects of the pandemic, such as access to healthcare, have an impact on mortality. As the pandemic progressed, 
Questions arose around mortality regarding mental health, suicide, substance use and risk-taking behaviours. All deaths that are more likely to be certified by a coroner. While causes of death for a coroner certified death are not available quickly, a decision was made to include coroner certified deaths at the all-cause level into the publication from April this year. This has then allowed for any changes in coroner certified deaths to be tracked at a broad level, providing early indications into the patterns of death that may be considered preventable. The ABS also produced reports specifically on COVID mortality in Australia, which provide provisional detail about COVID mortality and how it's been distributed across Australian population groups. The ABS's COVID mortality in Australia publication gives us an insight into what happened in the first two years of the pandemic. And that's what I'm going to show you, if I'm lucky, in figure one. Figure one shows the mortality on a weekly basis in, in Australia. Uh, in 2020, there were 906 deaths due to COVID, most of which occurred in Victoria during the first two waves of the pandemic. In 2021, there were 1,345 COVID deaths, with the majority occurring in New South Wales and Victoria during the Delta wave. As you can see, in figure two, COVID mortality remained very low in Australia, uh, which there is the dark blue line, uh, compared to other countries. You can see the big spikes for the United Kingdom and the United States, and indeed a higher COVID mortality rate for Canada. On a technical note, I should say that these data from Johns Hopkins University are measured on a different basis to the official ABS statistics. Uh, but they show overall uh, that across 2020 and 2021 combined, Australia suffered 86 deaths per million people. In the UK and US, there are around 2,500 deaths per million people, around 30 times as high as that experienced in Australia. Estimates of global excess deaths tell a grimmer story. Excess deaths are the number of observed deaths above or below the number of deaths otherwise expected in a given time period. During 2020 and 2021, excess deaths have been estimated at 15 million worldwide. The largest proportion of excess deaths is estimated to have occurred in lower middle income countries, such as India, Egypt and Indonesia. And even that could be a significant underestimate, with data on deaths in 41 of, out of 54 African countries not sufficiently reliable to prepare estimates of excess deaths. Remarkably, Australia went in the opposite direction. As Philip Clark and I documented in a paper published last week in BMJ Global Health, the mortality rate in Australia was 5.9% lower in 2020-21 than in the period from 2015 to 2019. Contrary to the claims of those who suggested that lockdowns would increase the death rate, we find that lockdowns and social distancing reduced short-term mortality. As you might expect, we observe a reduction in mortality from infectious diseases. 
For example, influenza typically claims around 600 Australian lives a year. Yet in 2021, it claimed fewer than five Australian lives. However, we also see a reduction in mortality due to non-infectious causes of death, including cancer and heart attacks. We speculate that that might be because infectious diseases predispose people to other causes of death. But it's also possible that working from home had a positive health effect. Our research contributes to the global discussion around the short-term health effects of lockdowns. Our research would not have been possible without the ABS's publication of preliminary mortality statistics. In 2022, COVID infection rates and mortality in Australia climbed considerably. In the first nine months of 2022, COVID accounted for 8,028 doctor-certified deaths. Across all waves of the pandemic, deaths from COVID were highest in, among those aged 80 to 89 years. The median age of those who died from COVID was 87.4 years for women and 83.6 years for men. Men had a higher number of registered COVID deaths than women. For every 100 female COVID deaths, there were 126 male COVID deaths. Around three quarters of all COVID deaths occurred in Victoria and New South Wales. And as I'll go on to show, deaths due to COVID were more prevalent in areas with greater socioeconomic disadvantage. In 2022, unlike 2020 and 2021, Australia had a similar COVID-19 death rate to other advanced countries. But Australia's death rates remain well below the peak seen in other countries in the early parts of the pandemic. Using Johns Hopkins data on COVID deaths, from the beginning of this year till the 4th of November, there were more than 500 deaths per million Australians. It was a little higher than in Australia and Canada, which saw 441 and 476 deaths per million, respectively. It's still lower, however, than the United States, which saw 732 deaths per million over the same period. By now, a great many Australians have been touched by COVID. There's been more than 10 million confirmed cases of COVID, and because reporting of rapid antigen tests is no longer mandatory, it's likely that a majority of Australians have contracted the disease. According to official ABS statistics, there have been 10,279 deaths from COVID since the start of the pandemic until the 30th of September 2022. These are people whose underlying cause of death was COVID. A few additional points on overall COVID mortality. In addition to deaths from COVID, the ABS also classifies 22,066 deaths as COVID-related. These are people who died from other causes, such as cancer, but for whom COVID contributed to their death. Including these deaths brings deaths from or with COVID to 12,545. Another key source is the National Notifiable Diseases Surveillance System. According to this data set, there were 14,718 deaths associated with COVID from the start of the pandemic until the 30th of September 2022. Statistics derived from surveillance systems are not directly comparable with figures from the ABS. 
One of the harshest impacts of economic inequality is the difference in health outcomes across socioeconomic groups. In terms of life expectancy, we know that those in the highest, in highest income quintile live six years longer than those in the lowest income quintile. Health gaps show up in other areas too. The most recent national study of adult oral health allows us to compare dental outcomes for low income Australians with a household income below $40,000 and high income Australians with a household income above $100,000. In the richest households, 0.5% of adults are missing all their teeth. In the poorest households, 10.3% of adults are missing all their teeth. Among dentate recipients, those uh, respondents, those with some teeth, the average number of missing teeth is 4.4 in richer households and 8 in poorer households. These are gaps that show with every smile. Yet in general, too little is known about the distribution of health burdens across the population. In the case of the mortality result referenced above, Philip Clark and I used a longitudinal study, the Household Income and Labor Dynamics in Australia survey, or HILDA, and matched it with deaths data. That allowed us to identify those who died and then go back to see their last reported survey responses to questions about income. More typically, studies of socioeconomic differences in mortality don't have that kind of information about the deceased. Instead, they focus on the average income in the geographic area where the deceased last resided. That can be informative, though as our research showed, area level metrics are no longer statistically significant after controlling for individual level metrics. In the case of COVID deaths, the available data presently only allow us to look at regional average incomes. It's useful to explore these patterns, but also worth bearing in mind that the true socioeconomic gaps, if we would measure individual incomes of the deceased, are likely larger still. Table one shows COVID deaths by CIFA quintile. Uh, CIFA is, stands for Socioeconomic Indexes for Areas, a product developed by the ABS that ranks areas in Australia according to relative socioeconomic advantage and disadvantage. This table shows that COVID mortality was higher in areas of greater socioeconomic disadvantage. The number of people who died due to COVID was over three times higher among those living in the most disadvantaged areas when compared to those living in the least disadvantaged areas. Around one third of all deaths from and with COVID in the period from 2020 to 2022 were in the most disadvantaged quintile, compared to 11% in the least disadvantaged quintile. Adjusting. So let me now turn and break down those patterns over time. So figure three studies the trend that we've seen uh, in terms of COVID mortality by socioeconomic quintile. Uh, these are age standardised figures now separated out from year to year. We see there that adjusted for age, COVID death rates were 2.3 times higher in 2020 for the most disadvantaged quintile compared to the least disadvantaged quintile. In 2021, they were four times higher, 
death rates from COVID, four times higher in the most disadvantaged quintile compared to the least disadvantaged quintile. Then in 2022, despite widespread increases in COVID infections, people in the most disadvantaged quintile suffered death rates 1.7 times higher than the least disadvantaged quintile. I hope future researchers will be able to shed light on why it is that the largest socioeconomic differences in COVID deaths were in the 2021 Delta wave. It might be relevant that other disparities were also larger. For example, the male-female mortality gap was bigger in the Delta wave than in the Omicron wave or in the two 2020 waves. Notably, the socioeconomic patterns are not specific to younger or to older Australians. In each age group, people in the most disadvantaged CIFA quintile had a higher chance of dying of COVID. Let's turn now to country of birth. Before the pandemic, the mortality of residents born overseas was lower than those born in Australia. This was particularly clear between the ages of 10 and 60. One likely explanation may be the presence of a selection effect for those moving to Australia, known as the healthy migrant effect. However, during the pandemic, Australian residents born overseas have had consistently higher death rates from and with COVID than the Australian-born population. Figure four shows that in the first year of the pandemic, age the age standardised COVID death rate for people born overseas was more than twice as high as that for those born in Australia. In 2021, that gap widened to become 3.6 times higher for those born overseas. And from January to September 2022, the COVID mortality rate for people born overseas was 1.3 times higher than for people born in Australia. Again, the socioeconomic gap in COVID mortality was largest in 2021, in the Delta wave. There's also considerable differences among the overseas-born population. From the beginning of the pandemic until the end of September 2022, People born in the Middle East had the highest age standardised death rate at 41 COVID deaths per 100,000 people. This is more than four times higher than the rate experienced by those born in Australia. And that's for people born in the Middle East. By contrast, at nine deaths per 100,000, people born in sub-Saharan Africa had a lower age standardised COVID death rate than people born in Australia. Now let's turn to First Nations Australians. First Nations Australians are at heightened risk of more severe outcomes from COVID than non-Indigenous Australians. There's several reasons for this, including higher rates of socioeconomic disadvantage, higher prevalence of chronic diseases, and limited access to culturally safe healthcare. Figure five shows COVID mortality broken down by Indigenous status. Unlike previous charts, this analysis includes deaths with COVID and deaths from COVID. In other words, it includes deaths where COVID was not the main cause of death. Accordingly, the mortality rates shown in figure five are higher than in previous charts. This comparison shows that the rate of death 
from or with COVID for First Nations Australians is 1.7 times higher than for non-Indigenous Australians. For deaths with COVID, that is where COVID was a contributory cause but not the underlying cause, this difference was particularly stark. Among First Nations women, the rate of mortality with COVID is close to three times higher than for non-Indigenous women. Among First Nations men, the ratio is twice as high. This difference has emerged later in the pandemic. There were no COVID-associated deaths of First Nations people during wave one and wave two of the pandemic. There were 20 Indigenous deaths during the Delta wave, with the remaining 158 deaths occurring, occurring during the Omicron wave. During the Omicron wave, the largest number of deaths have so far been recorded as occurring in February, 34, followed by January with 24 deaths. The number of deaths for later months is expected to increase as additional information on deaths is received. Here are some statistics to give you an idea of how different COVID mortality outcomes are for First Nations Australians. A higher proportion of First Nations people died with COVID as a contributing factor compared to non-Indigenous people, 33% compared to 22%. The rate of COVID mortality in First Nations people aged 55 to 64 is 4.5 times higher than non-Indigenous people of the same age. First Nations people who died from COVID had higher rates of diabetes, chronic kidney disease, chronic respiratory diseases and hypertension listed as pre-existing chronic conditions compared with non-Indigenous people. First Nations people who died from COVID had an average of 3.9 conditions listed on the death certificate. This compares to an average of 3.4 conditions on the death certificate among non-Indigenous people. According to the latest Closing the Gap report, the life expectancy gap between First Nations and non-Indigenous Australians is 8.6 years for men and 7.8 years for women. The disproportionate mortality impact of COVID on First Nations Australians has served to widen that disparity. An unequal distribution of COVID mortality isn't unique to Australia. In the US, demographers from UC Berkeley found that in the first wave, between May and March of 2020, COVID mortality was highest in the most advantaged counties. This pattern may reflect the significantly higher spread of the virus in the northeast parts of the US and New York in particular. In contrast, over the second half of 2020, the pattern reversed and then widened so that COVID mortality rates were 2.6 times higher in the most disadvantaged quintile than the least. That's close to the Australian figure of 2.3 for the entirety of 2020. Across the entire pandemic, the mortality burden in the United States had fallen most heavily on those who live in the most disadvantaged neighbourhoods. In the UK, those born overseas had higher death rates. During the first wave of the pandemic, people from ethnic minority groups generally had higher rates of death involving COVID compared to the white British population. The rate of death for black Africans in the UK was 2.7 times higher than the white British group for men 
and 2.6 times higher for women. And that ratio is quite similar to the difference observed in Australia between overseas-born and Australian-born people during the first two years of the pandemic. In the second COVID wave, British people of Bangladeshi ancestry had the highest rates, five times and 4.5 times greater than for white British men and women, respectively. After adjusting for location, measures of disadvantage, occupation, living arrangements and pre-existing health conditions accounted for a large portion of the excess COVID mortality risk in most ethnic groups. Though even after accounting for those factors, most black and South Asian groups remained at higher risk. In Canada, some neighbourhoods had noticeably higher age standardised COVID death rates in 2020. The densely populated urban neighbourhoods, characterised by very high proportions of migrants, lone parent families and low-income families, had significantly higher COVID mortality rates than other neighbourhoods. Death rates in these neighbourhoods were 2.6 times higher than in the neighbourhood type reporting the lowest mortality rates, being low socioeconomic status suburban neighbourhoods. What might account for those differences? Well, US researchers have hypothesised that mortality rates may be higher among low-income populations because they're overrepresented in essential work and economic sectors in which it's difficult to work remotely thereby increasing exposure to COVID. In addition, low-income people rely more on public transport and are more likely to live in large and multi-generational households. So in conclusion, the mortality impact of the COVID pandemic has been felt unevenly across socioeconomic groups in Australia. This shouldn't have been a surprise since there were uneven mortality out outcomes across socioeconomic groups in Australia well before COVID. Across a range of indicators, it appears the disparity was worse in 2021 than in 2020 or in 2022. The mortality ratios for, from COVID in Australia are quite similar to those estimated in other advanced nations. As a share of the population, fewer people died from COVID in Australia than in most other affluent nations. Yet among those who died, the same health inequalities can be seen in Australia as in other advanced countries. What might have driven the socioeconomic disparities in COVID mortality and why might those disparities have been largest in the Delta wave? As I've noted, disadvantaged people may be less able to work remotely, more reliant on public transport, more likely to live in crowded households. Uptake of vaccination and antiviral treatments have varied across society as vaccines and treatment became increasingly available. Another factor is that successive COVID waves have had various degrees of severity. A final factor is that in the years since COVID began, population immunity has steadily risen. Although geographic level measures of inequality have typically been used in research on looking at mortality and health outcomes, as I've noted, they're statistically insignificant after controlling for individual measures of socioeconomic status. That means that the individual measures like household income, educational attainment, should be the preferred measure we use in health research. It's only if those data aren't available that we should be looking at other measures such as neighbourhood CIFR indices. 
As the Minister responsible for the ABS, I'm proud to see, see it producing the type of data that enables research, researchers like yourselves and occasionally myself to glean novel insights. The ABS has made huge strides in this regard and now provides access to linked data sets such as the multi-agency data integration project known as MADA. The Australian Government also wants to provide timely data. The Department of Health and Aged Care has funded the ABS to continue the provisional mortality reports, as well as reports on COVID mortality and excess deaths for this financial year. Reducing health inequalities is a priority for our government. We're acutely aware of the value of high quality research in helping us understand the problem. Only by shining a spotlight onto the health gaps that exist between advantaged and disadvantaged Australians can we begin to develop policies to narrow those disparities. Thanks very much.